Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So much for that break. Yeah, honestly. We knew it happened. And oh, to be fair, that- this is our doing. Like, we, we probably could have left this till Sunday and it would have been fine, but we're a little bit... Um, I don't know, dis- is disordered the right word? <laughs> Impulsive? Uh, is less is, is a more optimistic sounding version of it? We're something. Anyhow, uh, we're here. We're sore. We'll, we'll, That's, we're, we're sore. We're, we're sore, yeah. We're definitely sore. I think one of us more than the other, but we won't get into the details <laughs> on that. Uh, we're here, the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, supposed to be on break, but we could not resist uh, the opportunity to bring you a quick hit on the Verona contract that came through. Uh, so without further ado, enjoy. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm the other host, Brad Crisco. And Evan did tell us last episode that he was muting everything for seven days, so we cannot blame him for not being here. The um, man of his word. He absolutely, he absolutely is. So, um, the, the Jacob Verona situation, the arbitration date was set for today, the day we were recording August 11th, which meant that a decision would, would have had to have come within 48 hours of that. So, um, assuming it would have gone to arbitration, which is what we were kind of assuming as of last episode, we were expecting a decision like Thursday, Friday, uh, on Monday, August 9th, it came out that the arbitration ask, uh, from Jacob Verona was um, 5.7 million and from the team was 3.65 million. And that was, we'll get into it in a, in a little bit, but that's pretty typical for arbitration. It's a bigger gap than what some people might expect, but that's kind of what you do. You aim high and you aim low, depending on which side you're coming from. The arbitrator often cuts it pretty close to the middle. However, uh, the next day, uh, the Red Wings and Jacob Verona settled for a three-year, $5.25 million per year contract. So, initial thoughts, Brad. Um, first thought was, I'm just glad they avoided arbitration in general for all the reasons I laid out last episode about how you can't keep going to arbitration, especially with your top-end players because of the culture that creates. So, that didn't happen. Very happy. Didn't think it would happen, but... Still a relief uh, nonetheless. Second, I was not really surprised. This was about the AAV I expected Vrana to get. So the fact he got it, good for him, good for Stevie, whatever. Um, The term caught me off guard a little bit uh, because it's kind of that tweener term. I thought it would either be shorter or longer. Uh, I was thinking one to two years or five to six years and they settled at three which is interesting which i'm starting to notice a bit of a trend which we'll get into in a bit and third it's how much stevie came up from um the arb ask because veron and the red wings and when they filed for arbitration they were not close on their ask they were very far apart um compared to what the nhl average usually is because it was what over two million dollars apart just over two yeah yeah which is not an insignificant number for an arb case like this because what was it the red wings and the bertuzzi were like a mill maybe a little less like they were not far apart at all um at least from what i remember so yeah it was 
expected mostly with the term being what kind of caught me off guard a little bit. So in terms of the Arbask, I agree. I was a little bit surprised by the low number. It's not anything to like, it wasn't at the time and obviously not now anything to lose our minds over because it's, it's arbitration. You have to aim low. I think that number was a little bit reflective of whether or not he truly believes it, a perceived um, insecurity, but whether what Verona was doing was sustainable from Eisenman and the management team, which I think if you're management, that's fair. You have to leverage that. I think anyone with eyes can see that Verona is a very good player, and though he might not be a point per game for the whole next season, he'll be a really good player. Uh, and it's also the fact that, you know, it's buying an RFA year essentially. Like the, you aren't, you're not really getting into UFA years when you're talking that short a term. So the Red Wings bought what one, they bought one UFA year with the three year deal, right? So the, the cost is higher once you get into the UFA years. Um, the term for me, I was surprised, but pleasantly, I think three years is about as much as we could have hoped for. It's a really difficult situation to read, right? Because some people might say Eisman won't want long-term because literally no one on this team is long-term. Like with this contract, Verona and Rasmussen will have the most term remaining on Detroit with three years left each. And that's like, <laughs> for Red Wings fans coming from the Holland era, that is insane to think about. Um, Eisman doesn't want term. Does he want to commit that long-term? Who knows? He said he doesn't really want to generally right now. However, Verona also is coming from a, from a strange situation, right? Like he is a very, very talented player. Like in terms on in terms of five on five scoring rates, he is among the top in the league. Like you're talking like he's up there in the conversation of Austin Matthews in terms of scoring rates uh, at five on five over the past however many years. So like this is a really good score from what we've seen, but he's had a small sample size. He was buried on a at a point recently cup caliber team in Washington. Uh, he did not get along with the coaching staff there. So he didn't get top line minutes and didn't have the opportunity he's had in a limited way and will continue to have in Detroit. So if I'm Verona, I'm thinking, yeah, I want good money, which is what he got in the end, I think is within half a mil of his ask. But also you don't want to take that contract too far because I'm sure Verona's betting, yeah, over the next three seasons, I'm going to light it up for 30 to 40 goals a year. And when I'm age, what is it, 29, I'm going to cash the F out. Like I'm going to get the payday that I think I, sh I should have had prior to this. So I don't know really who's who's coming in with the lower ask on term. I would bet this is about as much as what Verona would go. I would have loved to have seen Detroit lock him up for, you know, longer maybe uh, four or five years higher term or higher AAV. But I, I think this is probably a happy middle that both sides were destined to land on if it wasn't going to be arbitration. The timing of this was funny because Dom released his top 10 worst contracts in the NHL article today. And there's a very prevalent theme through that article that I think all of us are aware of, but we just don't realize how bad it is where almost every contract that's on that list was signed when the player was like 28 to 30 years old and it went south very fast. Um, some of them have been signed and the guy hasn't played a game yet, but that's <laughs> for, for the team that signed it. Um, so that's a whole nother thing. 
And it's interesting because it happened with Mantha when it was signed, and now it's happened with Verona, and obviously Bertuzzi was only two years. Eisenman's not signing these guys past 28, 29 years old. Right when, when you go to that list that I'm referencing, everybody started to fall off a cliff. Some guys held on for a little longer, most didn't. So I'm wondering if this is just some ultra-aggressive tactic to avoid that like hey we're gonna milk these guys for all of their best years and then we're gonna replace them because Jacob Verona could hypothetically come out of this contract score 25 goals in that last year and be like yeah give me nine million dollars Steve Eisenman's like nope your regression is starting now I can replace you for a third of that I don't think it's gonna be that aggressive at least as aggressive as I'm making it sound but I do think that's in the back of his mind and it's not to say that he's going to cut ties with these guys when they get into the late 20s because that's also not reasonable or feasible. You're not going to be able to replace that many players. But you can be more aggressive in the negotiations. Oh, I'll I'll give you your eight, nine million dollars, but I'm signing you for two, maybe three years. I'll go higher on the AAV, but I'm giving you no term. And then you, you know, if a guy like Verona Larkin, who's going to be around the same age, look like they're guys who are going to be age curve. I don't know what the word is guys who prolong it by a few extra years. Then yeah, cool. Great value. You literally maximized every last ounce of them they had, but we're not there yet. We won't know that for a while because the thing that's intriguing about Verona's contract is it's three years. And I think that third year, we're probably looking at a reasonable chance of the Red Wings making the playoffs or at least like, bang kicking on the door to get in so it's going to be interesting to see if they want to move on from a guy like that right as they're hopefully starting to turn the corner so yeah it's going to be a lot of speculation between now and then about what Eisenman's ultimate plan is because we won't have a good idea for a couple more years um frustrating as that is to think about but yeah this could go a lot of ways but it just seems like he's minimizing risk yeah, I think you're exactly right, Brad. I very quickly want to talk about the AAV. And in terms of the number, there's a theme here with uh, Red Wing signings under Steve Eisenman with infinity cap space. Um, the number's fine. I think that's a pretty fair valuation for Verona. I think that actually comes in. I don't want to say cheap. It doesn't come in cheap. I, I think it's pretty close to value. It's definitely not an overpayment. And even if it was, with the amount of cap space the Red Wings are working with, like nobody could argue that that's too much money. Um, it's it's a bizarre world to not care about AAV, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, I saw some speculation that this all but guarantees that Verona is going to be moved. And I don't want to say that people who say that are wrong. But I do think the truth lies closer to what you just mentioned, Brad, that this is a flexibility thing. I think this this contract absolutely sets it up where if Eisenman wants to trade Verona, he can. For sure. Like, why not? If he goes off this year or next year, you know, you're, you're trading a guy who can net an insane amount of goals, be insanely productive and be really good on the top six of a, of a competitive team who has now proven proven himself hypothetically in the future that'll fetch you a pretty big return 
It could also mean uh, Eisenman's mitigating risk, exactly like you said, Brad. You don't know how Verona is going to pan out. You don't know if his scoring rate is sustainable. You don't know if you can have him cheaper later on. Uh, as a general rule, Eisenman doesn't want to be signing long-term contracts. As a general rule, Eisenman is really having a really hard time predicting when they'll be able to come out of this rebuild because there's so many factors that are out of their hands. Cough, lottery balls, cough, right? So – this is just the ultimate flexibility for Steve Eisman and the Detroit Red Wings to do whatever they want with Verona's contract. Is there risk with that? Yeah, absolutely. If you want, if you're dead set on the guy being part of your core and he goes off for 40 to 50 goals, you're going to legitimately, quite literally pay the price. But with the way Eisman works with the cap and squeezes at every given opportunity, you are then able to do so. Um, he's also a pretty hard negotiator. Like we saw what he, he did with Steven Stamkos. We saw what he did with a lot of people in Tampa Bay. Um, we've seen what he's been doing in Detroit. It's not just AAV, it's term as well. So it, this sets it up to reach a fork in the road. Isn't the right way of saying it. It's like an eight way crossroads by the time we hit one year, two year, three years, or like the end of Verona's contract. Um, I mean, it's exciting for Red Wings fans because we just don't know what's going to happen. But the ball, Steve Eisenman has kept the ball in his court, has kept Verona happy with a decent payday with, uh, I think, a good amount of job security, but also not stealing his best years from him or, you know, stealing the opportunity to get another big contract. This is much of a, this is as much of a win-win as I could have seen in my mind. Yeah, when the risks are positives... That's probably a good sign. Oh, he might walk because another team will pay him too much money. Well, that means he performed well. Oh, he might stay in Detroit for way too much money because he performed well. Oh, they might have to trade him for a king's ransom because he doesn't match the timeline. Like the the like obviously the obvious worst case scenario is he's just bad and he's not who we thought he was. But he's twenty five. I I don't think I'm going to put much credence into that argument. Is he going to be eight? goals in 11 games pace good no obviously not but is he 20 to 30 goals a year good yeah i think we can comfortably say that and you know five million and change is perfectly reasonable for that type of production and the so the worst case scenario i was mentioning from a positive standpoint is the red wings are still really bad we expect them to turn a corner in 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 two to three years and they don't okay so you have to trade jacob runner for a king's ransom you could get a package in return like they got for Anthony Mantha for Jacob Rana. And then you do this all over again. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, so, yeah, the it's good. The risks, the biggest risks come from positive outcomes. So I'm perfectly accepting those risks. And the only real negative risk isn't a substantial one because it's only three years. Yeah, it's like we're talking about risks here because you have to, but in all this is a good situation to be in some other offshoot i I kept saying 29 by the way you're right it's 28 at expiry of the contract some other offshoot benefits i mean you have guys like tyler bertuzzi who a year before verona is going to be negotiating verona goes off bertuzzi wants a big raise well he's only making half a mil less than than verona now so that's going to keep the contracts low think back to the uh no one makes more than Nick Littstrom years of the Red Wings like that's a very intentional way of doing things was that right you made a face it was no one makes more than nobody on the Red Wings is worth that conversation (laughs) no no I'm saying it's a general (laughs) rule of thumb (laughs) so like I would not be surprised to say like yeah hey Tyler you're playing great in the top six you have a good role there and you've recovered well from back surgery but we're not giving you this insane 
amount of dollars raised because look at Verona who just netted 33 goals last year you're going to be making probably closer to what he's making anyhow yeah it's it's the perfect flexibility if you're a Jacob Verona fan and you think he's part of the long-term core great this is a good first step into that and you should enjoy the next uh up to three years of Jacob Verona lighting it up in Detroit uh, if you are someone who likes what Jacob Vron has done, but thinks that it would be better to move him uh, for sustainable success in the Red Wing in the Red Wings' true competitive win- window, great. Enjoy the next up to three years of Jacob Vrana as he's a human highlight reel, and then be happy whenever that King's Ransom comes in. Like that's the gist of it, right? Like it, there's just there's no bad option here. And also, I just want to say uh, this has been a fun little uh, moment in time to go back into all of Jacob Verona's highlights. That is an insane amount of highlights for 11 games in the winged wheel. Like a full season of this guy in the top six. I I think people are going to be, it's not exactly a hot take, but I think people are going to be really surprised by how much of that they see. Even after like what we said, I'm not saying he's going to be an 82 point game player, 82 points per game, 82 points uh, in a season player, but I think he's going to be electric. I think it's going to be really fun. He's got to be the odds-on favorite to lead this team in scoring right now, right? Has to be. Has to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, probably the team's best chance. Him and Larkin, depending on how Larkin returns from injury, best chance at the All-Star game probably as well. Like, it's good for Zadina too. Like, he, I, it's probably good for Zadina and Ronick, like the Czech connection there. Uh, and he mentioned that in his press availability, that that was huge for him. Really, like, I get that the lines are going to be shuffled, not just because it's Blasio, but that's because it's what every NHL coach is going to do. But, man, anytime he's able to play with Zadina on the opposite wing, I think that's just going to be huge for Zadina's development. I think a lot of what Verona does, Zadina has the capacity to do or pick up. Verona is excellent at angling himself and positioning his body to make bad passes go in the net. And Zadina has those tools. He just hasn't quite put it together consistently yet. Learning from Verona, who's still in a prime, that is that's exactly what you want. You have Dylan Larkin dishing the puck in either direction to, to people who can just fire it in at will. This is 20 minutes of us saying, Red Wings fans, no matter which way you fall in this argument, you're going to be happy. Minimizing risk. That's all Iserman's doing, which circles back to, did they sign this contract to keep him or did they sign this contract to trade him? I don't think it matters because it works either way. <laughs> That's it. Man, Evan missed the easiest episode. This is the <laughs> easiest episode ever to fence it, which is what Evan loves doing. And this is the first time I think fence sitting is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I cast no strong opinion one way or the other. I genuinely think if you had a machine that could read minds and you uncovered the answer to this in Steve Eisman's mind of what is the plan with Verona keep or trade him, I think you might have like, I think it might happen this way. Like, I think we might end up trading him. I think this is one of the, the, the questions that truly has no definite answer in his head. And he's like, yeah, well, we'll see. It's just so Flexibility easy. Flexibility is king, especially in the flat cap world. If the Red Wings unexpectedly turn it around quicker than we thought, Nick Letty pops off. Mo Sider's a rookie of the year candidate. Lucas Raymond contributes early. You know, we keep seeing the progression from Zadina, Heronic, you know, whoever that we want. Cool. Verona's going to provide a lot of value for that turnaround. And like I said earlier, if it's not and it goes off the rails, which is the more yeah. likely outcome. Um, 
Huge value. Huge value. You know, have you have people seen what Stan Bowman and Mark Bergevin are doing right now and Jim Benning to save their jobs? You could get Shane Wright for this guy pretty soon. <laughs> oh man. And you know what? I I mentioned before, and I still stand by this, I think a long-term deal at a low AAV would have been great. I just don't think it was gonna happen with Verona. Like I don't think he would have wanted that. And with that, you lose the flexibility. So Again, easiest 20 minutes we'll probably record in our lives on this podcast. Well, I did think it was a mistake on Verona's part. I would have thought I should say it was a mistake on Verona's part to take uh, to be signing his next contract at 28 because, you know, NHL GMs are starting to smarten up and don't sign guys to massive deals oh. uh, close to 30. And this offseason just proved the exact opposite of that. So, Verona's no, happy. Verona's you know happy. what? He's got a lot in the tank too. I think if he like if Rana does end up doing well, he'll do well in his last season and he'll get his payday from one person or another. Yeah, it's yeah. The, right. he he did just as well as the Red Wings here in my mind. In and terms hey, of maybe options. maybe the mountain of awful contracts that signed that were signed to twenty eight and twenty nine year olds this offseason, well, likely they'll all be going horribly by then. So that'll drive the market down on those guys, and Eisenman can keep Verona cheap. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad we get to watch him play in Hockey Town in the meantime. This has been a very quick hit uh, on the Jacob Verona re-signing. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back the full gamut of hosts on Sunday morning. We think Sunday morning. We'll see how it goes. Um, We'll talk more about Verona, Ernie, Hronik, the rest of the Red Wings, the usual bit. But we just want to make sure we had something out here for you all because uh, you were asking us and we are um, broken and beholden to this podcast at a cellular level. So thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WW, WP and at Hockey Town Evan.